Welcome to Always and Forever, a spoiler-free One Tree Hill podcast where we analyze and dissect the greatest teen show from the early 2000s. Ooh, spoiler-free. What is that about? Yeah, well, we're going to talk about that later, but we will no longer have a spoiler segment at the end of this episode. We will not, but we, we hope you'll still keep listening because we have a lot of goodies for all of you listeners coming up. So stay tuned, please. Don't turn us off. <laughs> because this week we are discussing The Same Deep Water as You, the first episode of season four, which was written by the creator and showrunner, directed by Greg Prange, and originally aired on The CW on September 27th, 2006. We have a new network now, baby. Oh, snap. Yeah. And according to the episode description in our OTH DVD box sets, this is the one where... A terrifying accident at the end of Nathan and Haley's wedding sends three people to the hospital and changes the future for many more people in Tree Hill. Somebody told me that this is the place where everything's better and everything's safe. Wishing this day was over already, I'm Caitlin Illinich. And getting a gorgeous summer tan between having a car accident and heading to the hospital, I am Jeremy Rodriguez. <laughs> you would. <laughs> the, the characters are so tan in this episode. I just <laughs> don't notice it. I just, I literally rewatched the end of season three and then immediately watched the beginning of season four and did that several times and... It's not that noticeable to me. I think it's most obvious specifically with Lucas because, I mean, Lucas is basically like, you know, sporting like his uh, bleach blonde locks and he's like so tan. He's like, he's like twink central in this episode and I am like a fan of it. I think he's like really hot for what it's worth. (laughs) (laughs) I did notice the hair. Yes, the hair is noticeable. I noticed that immediately which why would they do that in the premiere episode like they couldn't wait a whole episode but i guess maybe he changed his hair on his own and then i don't know how that works but maybe i have no idea Um, i think rachel is very tan as well and so is uh so is cooper michael truco which i feel like that's why they reshot that scene in the limo where rachel tells cooper that she's pregnant you know, which is the little resolution to the cliffhanger from the previous season. Um, but yeah, you notice, like, that's a completely different scene right there. Yeah. Because she reveals in the premiere that she's pregnant. Yes. She didn't actually reveal that in the in the the finale. Right. Yeah. But yeah. it's not like, you know, but, but, but like, you know, the previous part where she's like, I have something I have to tell you. That's completely reshot. Yeah. Yeah. So like, that's different. And I will say some, like, it- Rachel did seem a little bit tanner um, mm-hmm. when I was really trying to pay attention, but it wasn't like super noticeable. But Lucas's <sighs> hair for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I think about this every time. I don't know why it's so noticeable to me. Listeners, let us know if it's, like, super noticeable to you. Make me feel validated. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Um, So, this episode is titled After the Song by The Cure. What did you think of this episode? Or what did you think of the song, I should say? (laughs) We'll talk about the episode throughout the discussion. (laughs) I mean, the song was kind of like an episode because it was almost nine minutes. (laughs) What is with That's these like basically long like songs? a third of the episode. <laughs> What's with these long songs the that we get? Yeah, yeah, that's like yeah, that's a quarter of the episode right there. <laughs> if we think yep. like each episode's about forty minutes. <laughs> I I thought it was a great song though, even for being nine minutes. It was like it had me in my feels. It's clearly about some kind of breakup or like losing a relationship. But did we did we say by the cure? First off, did I say I said that? Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm pretty sure I did. If not, then it's here. Okay. We'll find out when we get it. But yes, I had all the feels in this song. It, it seems to be like the lyrics. Someone's losing a relationship, or it's just like not working out anymore, and they're kind of like drowning 
in this deep water and can't really like get out of that um and the messiness of this relationship that's kind of how i perceive it and i yeah i think like not even i guess there are a lot of relationships in the episode of one tree hill in this premiere but i think generally speaking like this episode like everyone is a mess like there's so much going on like cooper's in the hospital nathan was in the hospital but then you know was okay um we have brooke the brooke and lucas breakup um brooke and peyton are still not like they're in a friend breakup right now there's so much happening and i feel like that title the same deep water as you obviously it's alluding to the water of the car crash for sure but like i feel like these characters are kind of trying to get out of the water um that's pulling them down basically that's how i see it what about you wow i mean i don't have anything more eloquent to say than that (laughs) (laughs) really really i mean yeah i just i mean i just i heard the song i feel like it has like a even like listening to it too it has a very like sad tone to it which is really what the all these characters are navigating right now but also i feel like there's there's somewhat of like a hopeful message too because the lyric is i will kiss you and we shall be together yeah and i feel like there is a little bit of hope because you know toward the end of the episode we say like Things like Rachel and Brock are becoming closer. Um, when we also see Peyton and Lucas, they seem to be getting closer. It actually ends with the two of them hugging. So I feel like there's like a small dash of hope. Yeah, I I would agree with that. And I think the episode, yeah, ends with on a hopeful note. For mm-hmm. sure. But yeah, good good analysis though, Caitlin. Okay. Cool. Thanks. Ten out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> You know how it is. Sometimes, like, you know, I will have a good analysis, and then other times you will. And we tag team. Cool. We do. We do. <laughs> we, we both hold the weight for each other. Yep. Let's get into this episode, then. Yeah. So, a lot of this episode is just, like, flashbacks and reshoots of previous scenes. It's interesting that it, like, what's with this Lucas voiceover throughout the whole episode? And it it starts off when they're in the hospital, and he's explaining, like, like we don't usually get Lucas voiceovers like this. I don't even yeah. really recall getting any like this before. And he's giving, it's like they were on a new network, I guess. So they're trying to, like, update people who may, or tune, may have been tuning in for the first time, because he's explaining, like, who Dan is, and that Keith died. Yeah. Like, all this, all these plot details. I was thinking the same then. There's a lot of moments where it just feels like a recap. Like, you know, like, we even see, like, Peyton, like, rip up, like, the picture of, like, of her, Brooke, and Lucas together. And, you know, they show flashbacks of the season finale showing that, like, oh, these two are no longer friends. It definitely is, like, a recap of sorts, I feel like, for new viewers tuning in to a new network. It definitely is. And it's funny, because, like, as I was watching the episode, I'm, like, ten minutes in. And usually at that point, I've taken, you know, I've written a few things down, or at least maybe, like, one or two things. (laughs) And since it was basically, like, all recap stuff... I didn't really have anything. <laughs> it was like, okay. So, like, yeah, I already know all this. happens. <laughs> That's, I mean, there are a few things that I did notice. Um, for, I mean, for one thing, I feel like in the reshot scene between Cooper and Rachel, I feel like Cooper just seems a little colder than he did in the previous episode. Because he's like, oh, when we get back, like, you know, you and I never happens. Whereas in the previous episode, he was a little gentler and said, like, you know, I promise we will talk about this. I'll take you back. Interesting. Then I'll take you home. Like, it just it just didn't feel true to the Cooper that we saw in the previous episode to me. I didn't pick up on that. Huh. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. But listeners, I would like to know what you all feel about that as well. Um, also, like... To go back to the voiceover, so <laughs> like, some of these voiceovers are so bad. Caitlin. I know. Like, okay, <laughs> I can't even. I can't even explain these without laughing. So, so for one thing. <laughs> all right. So 
this line. It's one of my favorites. Okay, are you ready? Maybe Tree Hill is a lot like your world. Maybe it's nothing like it. But if you look closely, you may see someone a lot like you. And after you hear that, you think, okay, he's going to follow up with a line that's very relatable. And then this is what Lucas says. He says, if you're married, a senior in high school, and not sure if your husband is still alive, you're a lot like my friend Haley. (laughs) (laughs) I knew you were going to say that. This is, I'm like, are you trying to say this to make it relatable? This is not relatable. (laughs) Yeah, that is like the least relatable thing that he could have said. (laughs) Like, he could have said anything. Like, I don't know. Like, you're, you're (laughs) he didn't even have to bring up the fact that she was a senior in high school saying like, hey, if you're not sure if your husband is going to be alive, like, you can say something like that, but like, married a senior in high school, like, all these together, this is not relatable, Lucas. I, it's cringy. It is so cringy. (laughs) And then later on, when they're at the waiting room, (laughs) Lucas says, there's nothing to do but wait. I guess that's why they call it the waiting room. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. So it looks like Lucas is, like, writing something right now. I'm just saying, like, if this was, was like, a novel or, like, a memoir or something, would you actually read this? So bad. (laughs) It's just so bad. (laughs) I hate it so much. (laughs) (laughs) I... Yeah, I think the sole reason for them to include this was to catch people up who missed it because these details yeah. are, it's, it's not well written. Oh, no, not at all. <laughs> I mean, I guess that is a way of, you know, explaining the fact like, oh, I guess we have to explain the fact that Nathan and Haley are married and they're seniors in high school, but... Come on, there's not a better way they could have done that. It's interesting to me because, like, the way it works now, shows don't really have to recap things because of streaming. Like, they will, you know how they release a season and they'll have, like, a recap, like, on Netflix or whatever. Yeah. Which is just clips from the previous season. But, like, shows don't have to recap like this anymore. (laughs) in in the way that they're just like inserting all of these details so obviously to a fan you know it's helpful i guess for someone who's never seen it before right and we have to keep keep that in mind too with like you know back in 2006 like we didn't have a way to stream one Tree hill at this at this point in time no so like if people were jumping into the show for the first time like this would give them great context and i feel like oh this will be cool but it's really funny to revisit this now. Yeah, it's a product of the time. And someone most likely would not have, they would just have to jump in. They would not have had, unless they were going to go buy the DVDs, they yeah. they wouldn't be able to watch all the episodes before this. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could catch reruns on various, I remember Wonder Hill was on SoapNet for the longest time. Yeah. I don't think it was on SoapNet at this but, point. Yeah, I don't know if it was... What what point that actually uh, went on there? I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I feel like maybe, you know, because there are... Oh, no, you know, because I feel like there is a syndication, like, contract in order for a show to get into syndication. It needs 100 episodes. So at this point, I don't think it was playing on SoapNet. And I remember in the Drama Queens podcast recently, they even mentioned that um, that was a good paycheck. Uh, SoapNet? Mm-hmm. They said oh, that. good for them. Yeah. Yeah, but that, that's no more. But uh, yeah, no, no. <laughs> right. So that's no more, and also residuals are really no more yeah. because you know, as we are recording this, SAG after us in the middle of a strike, and good for them. Good for everybody trying to get their money's worth. Yes, because they deserve it. That they do. Hmm. Um. Anything else we, you, you want to talk about in regard to this uh, opening recap? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I mean, we, you know, we we do find out that uh, Rachel tells Cooper that she's pregnant. Yes. Da, da, da. But yeah, the, so that's like the big reveal, like the thing that she says, like, oh, well, there's there's something I have to tell you. So 
as of now, it looks like Rachel is the one with the pregnancy test. But let's move on and talk a little bit about what happens with uh, Nathan and Haley. So Nathan's alive. Yay. That was another part that was intense at the beginning of the episode because Haley's screaming on the bridge. Lucas dramatically jumps in and he says that uh, Nathan is not down there when he's swimming around trying to find him. And then they see him up on the bank, like outside of the water. With his arm over Rachel, yeah. Oh, did, I, did we mention that the opening credits has uh, Daniil and Antoine Tanner? Oh. Yes, it does. So the opening credits have Daniil and Antoine Tanner, so they're series regulars now. Yay! We're going to be seeing a lot more of them. Yeah, that's exciting. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, what did you think of uh, Joy's acting in this <laughs> scene? <laughs> yeah, you, you said before that you thought it was so bad, and I think Joy even said that it wasn't very good. Mm-hmm. That's, it's not good. <laughs> I think she's she's fantastic in the season three finale. But, like, this particular, like, <laughs> these particular scenes, she's not the best. I mean, it is kind of over the top. <laughs> and, and Joy also said in Drama Queens that, like, you know, she's like, why didn't I jump into the water myself? And, like, it, it does seem kind of weird, the fact that she's, like, she's so helpless and just screaming at the top. Even Karen goes down toward the bottom to make sure that, like, Cooper is, like, on the grass. Like, <laughs> it's like, it just doesn't seem, it seems out of character for Haley not to, maybe not jump in the water, but to do something at the very least. Yeah, jumping into the water in a wedding gown is probably not a good idea. <laughs> Yeah, no, but, you know, but I, I like that Karen at least, like, you know, goes down to the bottom of the river, you know? I know, maybe maybe Joy was just directed to, like, stay on the bridge, because that was, like, an image of itself, like, her standing there in a wedding dress. Yeah, obviously she was directed to do that, but, I mean, as far as, like, the character of Haley is concerned, I don't think that's something Haley would do. Yeah, she would try to, she would act in some way. Mm-hmm. So, Nathan is alive. Uh, we find out that the thing that Haley was going to share in the finale, the thing where she said, there's something I have to tell you, it turns out she got into Stanford. I know. That's really exciting. Mm-hmm. Still gotta find out, like, what the deal is with Nathan. So, because we don't know what college these two will end up going to together. Meanwhile, Nathan is very, he seems to be having a lot of PTSD going on. Yeah, I know. He's... Here, you want to go? <laughs> I don't really have too much to say. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't I don't really either. I we're, like, being insensitive by, like, laughing about the PTSD. <laughs> but, like, this episode's a mess, so I feel like that's what we're laughing about. Um, yeah. Yeah, like, we see the moment where Haley is, like... You just sit on the couch and saying, Nathan, you're a hero. You saved people. Then Nathan's like, did I? And then we see that whole moment where Cooper is uh, in a code blue. And and I hate to say this, but I feel like this would have been much more interesting if Cooper actually did die. Oh. Because wouldn't it be like a very interesting plot point to unpack for Nathan to like really feel guilt? Like, oh no, I couldn't have... Uh, I couldn't save Cooper. Oh, no. And then that also would roll into Rachel and her guilt. And, yeah, let's talk a little bit about, like, what happens with Rachel here. Yeah, Rachel's kind of... She's all over the place this episode. Yeah, so earlier she said she was pregnant. She ends up admitting that she lied. Yep. And she just wanted to scare Cooper. The police are starting to ask her questions. And this cop is an asshole to her. And it's like, she's a minor, so what are we doing here? Mm-hmm. He just says, like, oh, when he wakes up, like, I have I have my theory, but when he wakes up, he better prove me wrong. And I'm like, yeah, this person was just in an accident. Like, maybe, like, you know, be a little bit more Karen. But I have seen, like, things like this uh, happen before um, with the police. Like, uh, I know someone who was in a car accident, and it was their fault. And um, when, uh, you know, when the police came to their car and, you know, explained what happened, and then the person was just like, oh, no, like, I caused it. And then the cop just says, yeah. Like, 
This is so dramatic. Like, why would you say that to somebody? Oh, my God. Wow. Yeah. And to clarify, in this situation, everybody lived. The person who caused the accident and the, and the you know, everybody else. Everybody lived. Everybody was fine. Everybody was okay. Like, nothing wrong there. But still, like, you know, when you're feeling, like, so guilty and, like, beating yourself up over that, like, why would you, like, why do cops do this? Basically, fuck the police. I I feel like in movies and TV shows, you always see this, like, as soon as the people are in the hospital, like, they're coming in to interrogate you. It's like, how can you recover and think straight? But it's not far from reality. Yeah. <laughs> That's the point I'm trying to make. <laughs> So it's scary. That's a deeper issue right there. Um, and she's also getting attacked by Haley, which I'm like, I, I feel like Haley has a right to be a little bit angry. Uh, yes. I mean, like Rachel ruined the wedding, <laughs> caused all this trouble. Nathan jumped in after them. Like she def- definitely has a right to be upset. Mm hmm. Like, it was harsh, and I feel like I really do feel for Rachel in that moment, of course. But at the same time, like, I understand why Haley is, you know, pissed off. Because that's her family, too. Yeah. That's her husband, and that's her uncle-in-law, if that's a term. I guess it would be uncle-in-law. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen that, heard that uttered before. <laughs> But yeah, like, you know, she sees that Nathan is devastated, so obviously she's coming to bat for her husband. Like, it makes sense. Oh, no, I definitely defend Haley in that moment, because Rachel was out of control in the last episode. Mm-hmm. But I do still feel bad for Rachel at the same time now. It is, like, it is kind of sad, because she's already beating herself up over everything. Yes, that's what I was about to say. Like, she's and... already feeling the guilt herself, so, like, hearing it from other people is even more difficult. Mm-hmm. I think Rachel had a bunch of really interesting scenes in this this episode. Like, when she asked Brooke if people can change. And then Brooke says no. She, she thinks everybody is, deep down, everybody is still the same. And you know Rachel's, she's asking Brooke that question because she's wondering if she herself can change. Because it's clear in this moment, like, she wants to change, but, like, she doesn't know if that's possible. And Brooke basically wasn't helpful in that moment. Yeah, not at but all. later on, we get a, a nice scene with Mouth and Rachel, where Mouth basically gives her more hope. Like, yes, change is possible. I have the quote written down, actually. Cool. Read it, please. Mouth says to Rachel, until you face all the mistakes you've made, you'll never change. And then Rachel says, like, can people change? And Mouth says, but they can. They just don't because it's easier not to. We're always waiting for our lives to begin, like figuring we'll be someone else someday. But after this accident and losing Jimmy and Keith, what are we waiting for? All we have is now, Rachel. Don't run from this. And I thought those were really nice words from Mouth, because you could tell that that gave Rachel some hope. I think it's what she needed to hear in the moment, too. What Brooke said earlier wasn't really that great of an answer. Yeah, no. (laughs) And I don't really like that Brooke said that to Rachel, because, like, Brooke, I feel like, has shown that people can change. Yeah. Look at how much she has grown. I know. Since season one. I think Brooke is saying that from a place of hurt because of everything that went down with Lucas and Peyton. Mm, That's a good point. Yeah. So it's not really reflective probably of what she actually believes, but what she's feeling in this moment. Yeah, because she's like, hey, look, like, Lucas and Peyton hurt me before, and they still are hurting me today. So, okay, yeah. Uh, That's really deep, actually. Okay. I'm a little bit more of a fan of that. Yeah. Now that you bring that up. But regardless, it's still not something that Rachel needed to hear in that moment. Right. <laughs> because, like, she's even about to leave entirely until Mouth talks some sense into her. Yeah. And granted, I know that Rachel's not going to leave because, you know, she's in the opening credits. <laughs> so she's going to be around. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, And it seems like she's going to be living with uh, 
Brooke is, are Brooke is going to be living with her now? I know. I love this little twist. Because once again, Brooke moves out of a place with like no backup plan whatsoever. She has a tendency of doing this. This girl has lived everywhere in everyone's house. She lived <laughs> in her, you know, her parents' house. And then she moved in uh, to Lucas's for the summer. And then she lived at the apartment with Haley. And then she laughed, gave the keys to Nathan Haley, saying, hey, the apartment's yours. And she had no place to stay. <laughs> but then luckily she got Peyton's yes, room, and then, like an hour later or whatever. Yes, Peyton's room. But where was she going to sleep? And same thing with this. Like, she left Peyton's. Where was she going to sleep? I know. It's like <laughs> she could at least stayed at the apartment until she, with, with Nathan and Haley, like, hey, move in and, like, we'll just stay here temporarily or something. <laughs> like, this is so wild. <laughs> Or do something like, hey, Peyton, I'll sleep on the couch until I find a place because I can't be in with you right now. Because at the end of the day, as dramatic as it is to, like, you know, storm off, you still need to survive and you can't, like, sleep on the streets, girl. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) So, but I'm excited to see, like, what happens from this. Also, I really like the first scene between uh, Rachel and Brooke. Slut. Bitch. (laughs) Whore. (laughs) These two have really changed, like, their dynamic mm-hmm. has since early season three. So this is... They're such drag queens. This is going to be I really interesting that. to see them living together. So, Brooke's, uh, Brooke's relationship with Rachel has changed. Another relationship that has changed for Brooke is the one between her and Lucas. Oh, boy. Ooh, this scene is rough. Yeah. So there's a lot of things happening throughout the episode. We see, uh, we see Brooke. That th- she sees like Lucas and Peyton hug in the hospital. Um, also, she tells Lucas that she assures him that she is not pregnant, and she promises. Yes. And Lucas takes that as fact. Um, and then it all culminates at the end with uh, Lucas and Peyton are in Lucas's bedroom. They're playing some type of game with naming artists for song titles or whatever and then brooke comes in and then peyton leaves and yeah they she breaks up with him and i have that quote written down for that because lucas tries to dismiss her and says i'm sorry that i kissed peyton and then she says it's not about that luke i I thought that it was but this is not about her this is about me I love you, Lucas, and I probably always will, but we go days without having a meaningful conversation, and I used to miss you so much when that happened, but it never seemed like you missed me, and I guess because of it, I stopped missing you. And then that's when we hear Lucas's voiceover over Brooke talking, and I feel like this, (laughs) I was making fun of Lucas's voiceover earlier, but I feel like this is very well written right here. Because I don't have what Lucas said written down, but, you know, his internal, like, monologue where he's wondering, like, oh, God, like, when somebody says they stop missing you, it's pretty much over. As a writer, like, there's got to be something, anything I could say to make this right. And then he eventually says, Brooke, I'm sorry. And then Brooke's like, yeah, me too. And then she leaves, and then Lucas's voiceover says... That wasn't it. Yeah, that that was a good part of the voiceover. Still really randomly placed, because One Tree Hill doesn't usually do voiceovers like that. <laughs> with internal monologue. We're on the, we're on the new network. Or dialogue. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah, it did work in the moment, actually. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this moment is very, very, very sad. But like, I am so proud of Brooke for standing up to herself. And like the way she speaks her truth and that like she really does love him but she needs to stop doing this to herself and i just really like that it was brooke who put an end to it this time around yeah my one thought is is it really not about this kiss between lucas and peyton i mean i feel like that was like the straw that broke the camel's back yeah I feel like there were a lot of feelings that she was having throughout, like, as we saw in the finale, she was talking about how Lucas didn't call her when he was away, and 
And as she said, even when she broke up with him, like, they go days without having a meaningful conversation. I think that was definitely building throughout the last season because, I mean, Lucas was going through a lot of different things. Grieving for Keith and whatnot. So, I think a lot of that had to do with his kind of mental state, which caused him to have distance with Brooke. Yeah, and she did say that she was holding on to this relationship for him, but not for herself. And that's a very mature decision to make, I think. Like, I mean, I've I never had like a romantic relationship or something like this happen, but I have had like friendships where I realized like, you know what, like I'm sticking around for this person and to comfort this person, but like this isn't serving it sounds so selfish to say it like that, this isn't serving me anymore. But sometimes that's just the honest truth. Like, sometimes a relationship just isn't serving you anymore. It's not making you feel good about yourself. So it's just smarter sometimes to just, like, completely end it. Just to make yourself, like, feel better. And so you can move on. No matter how much it hurts in the moment, it is the best decision to make in the long run. There is love there. It's just the circumstances. It's just not working. Yeah, it was definitely a strong scene. I feel like I understand this scene more now than I did then. To me, then it always felt like a very, it felt very abrupt that they would break up this soon. Like, I know everything Hmm. that went down in the season three finale. It seemed fast. And I still, I always felt like those characters did love each other. So it it didn't feel like it was the right timing. These are my past thoughts. Yeah, yeah I was about to say you feel differently about it now. Is it because you were? Is it, is it because you were podcasting about the last season and you were looking at it with more of a critical eye? Yeah, we talked about a lot of these things, like the distance growing between them and Brooke being more independent, but like not really, not really getting everything she she wanted from Lucas. So, yeah, I think talking about last season, I just have a better understanding of it than I used to. Yeah, agreed. So. It's different when you're studying it, I think, because it's just, because I, I even think, like, you know, when I, uh, when I rewatched season three for this, uh, for this podcast, I realized, like, wait a minute, like, Brooke and Lucas, like, I used to look back on this season, like, oh, it's the season where Brooke and Lucas are together. Yay, it's so happy. And it's like, looking back on it, it's not a happy season whatsoever. No. Once they get together, it's basically, like, one thing after the other, where it's just, like, turmoil after turmoil, insecurity after insecurity, and there's no time to officially enjoy them as a couple. Absolutely not. You get, like, one or two episodes. <laughs> yep. Little moments here and there. It's what? It's the episode when they get together, and it's the episode where they go to the cabin. I feel like those are the two happy episodes yep. for the two of them. <laughs> it's a shame. I, I feel like knowing that and, like, re- you know, coming to that realization, this epiphany with this rewatch, like, this breakup does make sense. And... Listeners, I know if, if you didn't listen to the last episode, that's when I revealed that I am no longer a Bruca shipper, and that's why this breakup feels... It doesn't feel good, but it does feel appropriate. It's still a really hard scene to watch, because you know, like I already said, there, you know there's love there still between them, but just the circumstances... That just doesn't, and things don't, don't, are not lining up the way they should in a relationship. Nope. And Peyton was the, was the straw that broke the camel's back. Speaking of Peyton, let's talk about the little note that she received. Now, this is out of nowhere. (laughs) Sure is. She's just going through a record collection that she got from Ellie and, and a note slips out and she somehow has a brother from a half brother. (laughs) From the father that, the biological father that she has not met. Yes. Why would Ellie not have told her this? <laughs> <laughs> That's a great point. Other than the fact like, hey, let's just insert a random storyline in here. Yeah, it really comes out of nowhere, but. Also, you know, to go back to like how they're recapping certain things for, you know, just to catch audiences up. 
I love that Peyton actually says this to Lucas. She says, remember when Ellie came to town and told me she was my birth father? Yes. I'm like, of course she, he would be. <laughs> yes, I'm glad you brought that up because that was another line that I was like, are you kidding? Did she really say that? <laughs> Like, remember, remember she died? Yeah, I was to say. Like, she died. Don't you remember? I was devastated. <laughs> remember when you comforted me at the Sparkle Classic? <laughs> like, oh, what? Oh, God. Like, I get it. For, for, like, a business standpoint, like, I get it. But, like, I, I gotta say, though, like, because this is probably, like, a network note telling, like, you know, they're telling them, like, hey, you have to write it this way to catch people up. But, like, that must have been very frustrating, if you think about it. That's a dumb note. They could have written that. I don't know. They, they could have written that better. <laughs> I don't know how else they could have done it, though. It could have been done better. I don't know <laughs> how, but it could have done, been done better. <laughs> it's, it's like when sometimes, like, when you, uh... Like sometimes when you watch like the open like the opening scene of a movie, and there'll be like a like it'll be like a brother and sister, and the sister will be like, "Oh hey big bro, gosh I can't believe it's been five years since dad died." <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh okay, they're catching the audiences up. Got it. That's what a lot of this episode feels like. So I feel like I can have a little bit of space for the writers having to insert these little lines in because it's like. It's probably something they were forced to do and they probably didn't want to do it. I get that, but it's dumb. I don't want to ask this writer, but I would want to ask, like, you know, somebody from the One Tree Hills writer room. It's still dumb. (laughs) 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 So I'm not sure what's going to become of this. Yeah, we shall see. I know she's, like, very hesitant to call him. Yeah. And uh, we'll get into that later. Um, Other things that happen with the children on the show. It turns out Skills wants to try out for the Ravens because he wants to get a basketball scholarship. And my question is, can you get a scholarship this late? That is my question, too, because it's like they're in the middle of a season. Yeah. And he's just going to jump into the middle or the second half of a season? I guess so. I guess that's how it works. I mean, I don't know how, like, athletic scholarships work. Get a scholarship. I don't think it works like that (laughs) at all. But go skills. I, like, I'm totally down for him to join the team. Oh, yeah. I mean, if anything, this gives us more of an excuse to see, you know, more skills on the show, too, if he joins the Ravens, so. Why did they wait so long for this? (laughs) Like, why? To get skills to join the Ravens. Why wasn't skills in, yeah, why didn't he join the Ravens last season? That would make more sense. Because because it took them three seasons to realize that they liked Antoine Tanner and they wanted to bump him up the series regular so they could actually pay him the series regular salary. That is why. <laughs> I know, Jeremy, but it's like, come on. They could have had him on the team a long time I ago. I know we didn't get basketball in season two. So I understand maybe season one, it would have been unlikely that would have happened because they were focusing on Lucas going on the team. But, yeah. I don't know, last season would have made a lot of sense. I don't know. It's weird. But go, Skells. Hope this happens. Hope this comes through for him. Yes, I definitely do. <laughs> and uh, let's talk a little bit about what happens with uh, Dan and Deb to abruptly change the subject. <laughs> so... Dan is being haunted by the ghost. Again, like, a re- you know, we get some more recapitulation here. We, like, oh my god, Dan shot Keith. And somebody wrote murderer on his walls. Oh, now he's being haunted by the younger version of his brother in the ghost form. Whatever. <laughs> yep, and he's trying to wash the murder letters off the wall. Mm-hmm. And the police arrive at his house, and you can see that there's like obviously fear there but it ends up it's just about nathan i i really like the moment when the police say like your son is in the hospital and there's a moment where dan's like which one and i feel like that's like a really interesting moment because there's like an acknowledgement that he does have two sons and i feel like if this was like the dan in seasons one or seasons two he wouldn't have had that same amount of the same amount of acknowledgement yeah, that's a good point. And then 
we see him and Zeb are together for the first time since the confession. And he, like, pushes her up against the wall and chokes her. Which then sends Deb to go search for her pills. And and I really don't like this, uh, the way this is uh, played out. And if you recall the deleted scenes for the season three finale, too, um, there's a moment where Deb tells Dan, she says, I promise if you come after me for this, I will finish the job. So I feel like, you know... And that was a deleted scene, but, like, even, like, the moment when she does confess to him, like, based on what we do know, this is just at odds with the dev that we saw in the season finale. So, I feel like her confessing is such a powerful moment for her. And for her to turn to pills seems like a contradiction from the dev that we saw, who was, like, trying to, like, fight her past in the third season finale. And this is just a few hours later. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And this is also at odds with the Dan that we know, too, because it seems like Dan was starting to, like, acknowledge some of the hurt that he caused, and now he's going ahead and he's going to threaten, uh, he he killed the brother that he thought tried to kill him, and then he goes ahead and threatens the person who actually did try to kill him, and it just, it just, like, seems to completely spit on, like, the character development that we had toward the end of the season for both of these characters. Yeah, that's a really valid point. It's just, it's like whiplash because like you see them in the season three finale and now you see them in the season four premiere and it's like, what the heck? Like (laughs) Deb wasn't prepared to confess something like that and think that Dan might react in some way. Like she wasn't prepared for that. So she's already going to pills. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, exactly. And it, it, she seemed to have done it so confidently in the last episode. She's like, whatever, like, even if I did tell him, there's nothing he could do to harm me. Fuck that guy. And then instead, she just, she, she, she is the victim again. And I don't like that for her. I don't like this direction. No, I want to see Deb strong, you know, as a strong character, which we know she can be. And this is already going in a much different direction. Yep. So it's very inconsistent, very messy, just like a lot of things in this episode. Um, on another note, we have Dan and Karen. We see Dan is trying to get into Karen's good graces. He tries to ask Karen for coffee or a movie. And she's like, um, you know, you raised Lucas alone. You shouldn't have to do that with this child. And then that's when Karen's like, I didn't raise Lucas alone. I had Keith. Yeah, that was a great line. Mm-hmm. I think that's a moment that really speaks to Dan. And again, like, he has a moment like that with Karen, and then he has this moment with Deb, and it just seems like these two, like, these two things are very conflicted with each other. I know. It's like he has this tenderness towards Karen, and then he's, like, this aggressive person towards Deb. It doesn't match up. And he's also, like, experiencing the guilt and seeing visions of his younger brother, a younger version of his brother. And it all doesn't match up. Nope. Which makes Dan the most complex character of the show. <laughs> As he's I, always I mean, done. I like com- <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, I like complex. And you know me, I always like to say, like, you know, people can feel multiple things at the same time. But I don't, this doesn't work for me personally. It it seems at odds with the character that has grown and developed over three seasons. And it just, I I, I don't know. It it seems like the writers are trying to have their cake and eat it too. Because they're like, oh, let's have Dan be manipulative and evil. But like, oh no, let's have him be like, you know, tender as well. And it's just like, if you want this redemption arc for him to work, I feel like you can't do both of those things. It's like they want to see... Dan kind of switch from what it used to be. Like, he was always mean towards Karen and more tender towards Deb. Like, really before the show began. Or at the start of the show. Now we're seeing the opposite. Like, he's going to Karen and acting caring and attentive. And he's treating Deb horribly. You know, it's like they're trying to show that switch i thought there was an interesting scene 
I just thought of with Karen and Lucas. And Lucas asks, I have, don't have it written down, but he asks her. I do. Oh, you do? Okay, good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, Lucas asks, yeah, because he this is just right after his uh, breakup with Brooke. And he asks, like, what did you do when he didn't love you back? And then um, he's like, how did you get over Meaning it? Meaning Dan. And then Karen says, yeah. yeah, like, how did you get over Dan? And then Karen responds, when I do, I'll get back to you. And then she walks away. That's interesting, isn't it? That is interesting, yes. I feel like it just shows, like, the fact that there are, there does seem to still be a, a lot of feelings there toward Dan. Because, obviously, she hasn't gotten over it, at least not 100%. But, I mean, honestly, like, in her situation, how could you get over something like that? Like, you have a child with the man, and that child is still in your life. There's, you know, I feel like Lucas is constantly a reminder of that. Yeah, so that scene is just kind of a reminder of what used used to be. Like, where Dan and Karen started. Like, they clearly were in love at one point, and then things went bad. So, in the course of this show, like, starting in season one, we see how things have increasingly got worse with, with Dan and Deb. And now we're switching gears... <laughs> Where Dan clearly has some unresolved feelings for Karen, and Karen still feels those wounds, too. So, I don't know. I just, it's really complex. I, I agree there is some character inconsistencies with Dan, but there there's definitely a lot. There's an interest, a, a, a big dynamic here between all of these different characters. For from real. From past and present, so... And uh, speaking of that scene between uh, Karen and Dan, that actually kicks off our coda to the song, a message from Coldplay. Okay, so we are in Lucas's bedroom, and you hear his narration yet again. <laughs> this is good. I feel like this narration is pretty okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this, this is pretty good. <laughs> this is as good as yeah. it gets. <laughs> My name is Lucas Scott. I'm a senior at Tree Hill High School. I play basketball. At least I used to. I have a girlfriend. At least I used to. And you see that picture of Lucas and Brooke. Mm-hmm. And it's right after, like, it's right as he says, you know, I have a girlfriend. And it's like, I, at least I used to. And then it pans away. I don't even know if I'm using that term correctly, pans, but whatever. Um, and then uh, we go to Nathan and Haley's uh, bedroom. And the voiceover continues, and he says, and I have a best friend. And that's when we see Haley is sleeping on her belly, and Nathan is still on his back, lying awake. And then he's flashing back to the accident, and then he is getting himself out of bed as Haley opens her eyes. And then we're in Peyton's bedroom. Peyton turns on her webcam. We're back to the hospital. I believe this is Rachel's room. And then we see Mouth is gazing upon an empty hospital bed. Because Rachel is gone. Oh boy. But then we see Cooper's room in the hospital. And Rachel gets into bed with Cooper. And kind of cuddles up next to him. And then we are outside Nathan Haley's apartment. We see Brooke knocking on the door. Haley is opening it. She's wiping sleep out of her eyes. And then Brooke says, hey, I, I know it's late and it's been a long day. It really has been a long day. I guess this entire episode takes place in one fucking day. <laughs> I know. I don't think we talked about how it was 2.30 when they were at the hospital. <laughs> and all of this stuff, I'm like, like go to bed, like, go home, take a nap. I'm like, to think that Lucas, like, goes to the hospital, goes back home and gets changed into, like, jeans and a t-shirt... Then he goes to the river court, goes to visit Peyton, then goes back home, and then goes to Peyton's house again at the end. They could have just easily made this the next day, and they could have still been at the hospital. I don't understand why they chose to have it in one whole day. <laughs> it doesn't work, which, like, you know, we can get into that. Um, but yeah, Brooke says that she needs to talk to her, and then... Haley lets her into the apartment. Next, we're in the doctor's office, and the doctor's talking about taking another pregnancy test, and what 
could happen next, basically. <laughs> and she's saying this to Karen, we should say. The doctor is saying this to oh, Karen. Oh, that was Karen in that moment. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It does reveal her. Okay. Yep. And that's when Karen's like, they said, is this your first child? And Karen's like, no, it's my my second. Um. So we're at the doctor's office. What did this doctor's appointment happen? Because Karen's still wearing the same clothes. <laughs> I have no idea. Did she go to a doctor's appointment after the wedding? <laughs> I I don't get it. But then that doesn't... I'll get into that later. <laughs> I'm assuming all this is happening around the same time. That one... I'll, I'll get to that when we get to that scene. Okay. Um. So then we're at Dan's house, and then... He's looking at the red wall that he just painted over, and he takes a drink, and then he holds up his handgun, and then closes it. Oh, boy. Then we're in Deb's house. Deb does the same with her gun, then takes pills with her alcoholic drink. Oh, gosh. I do like the transition between the two scenes, though, with, like, Dan closing his gun, and then Deb closes her Mm -hmm. gun. So, yeah, that's happened with Deb. And then... We go to the same doctor that was talking to Karen, and the doctor is saying to somebody off screen, saying, well, you're definitely pregnant. Then the camera reveals it's Brooke, and she has a shocked look on her face, and then right next to her is Haley, also with a somewhat shocked look on her face. And then Haley holds her hand out, and Brooke takes Haley's hands on her own. Wow. I really like this reveal because, you know, we previously knew that um, that doctor was talking to Karen. And then it's the same doctor that it's like, oh, and it's Brooke and Haley in this room. I think that was like a little interesting way to do it. But also to go back to what I was saying earlier, if this is supposed to all take place around the same time, does that mean that this took place earlier in the day? Or does this take place after Brooke and Haley were talking in front of the apartments i i'm assuming that this took place (laughs) after they were talking in the apartment but and they're wearing the same clothes though so that's where i'm like did they just go there go straight there unless this is like a hospital where you're going in to get that done like can you get a can you just get a pregnancy test at a hospital i'm sure you can but i don't know i don't think they're really gonna want you to go to the emergency room for that (laughs) Could you imagine? But, but like... What, hey, we, we need to figure this out right now, right this second. What doctor's office are you going to I don't at that know. time of night? I don't know. But it's... I can buy that, Car- that Karen's that appointment happened earlier today, but this one with Brooke and Haley, I'm not entirely sure what the time frame and is. And if the... um, If the wedding was on a Saturday or a Sunday... They're definitely not going to have doctors open in the evening. Do, do you want me to? Do you want me to say our uh, go-to line? <laughs> you say it. Time has no meaning in Tree Hill. <laughs> so I, I don't really know. I have no idea. I'm just assuming this is all happening around like at the everything that already happened in the episode. This is this is happening after that. So. <laughs> Uh, but all right. That scene seems to have provided a little bit of clarification about about who's pregnant, though. So, should be interesting. Yes, that's a big reveal. Yep. So, what happens next? We are on the bridge, and Nathan's looking out at the water, and we get Lucas's voiceover again. Tree Hill's just a place somewhere in the world. Maybe it's a lot like your world. Maybe it's nothing like it. But if you're a senior in high school, I'm not sure if your husband is still alive. You're a lot like my friend Haley. Oh. <laughs> okay. All right. Now, serious talk now. We're back at the river court. We see Skills is playing basketball. And again, Lucas' voiceover comes in and says, someone trying to find their way. Next, we're in Rachel's bedroom. Brooke sits on her bed as Lucas, Lucas's voiceover comes states someone trying to find their place then we're in lucas's room we see a close-up of lucas's laptop as you know he's writing this uh what looks like a novel memoir whatever and his voiceover states someone trying to find their self 
And then we see the camera pull out from Lucas's window. And then we're in Peyton's bedroom. She gets the courage to dial the phone number to her brother. And you hear Lucas say, Sometimes it's easy to feel like you're the only one in the world who's struggling, who's frustrated or unsatisfied or barely getting by. And then the brother picks up, uh, but Peyton hands up. And because she's she's scared it seems like and uh as she gets up to look at these uh canvases that are handed on easel we see uh lucas's voice or we hear lucas's voice over saying but that feeling's a lie and if you just hold on just find the courage to face it all for another day someone or something will find you and make it all okay lucas enters peyton's room and he goes to hug peyton and then you hear his voiceover Because we all need a little help sometimes, someone to help us hear the music in the world, to remind us that it won't always be this way. And then we uh, go toward the camera, where Lucas and Peyton are seen hugging through the computer webcam, and then that's when an I am pops up from Watch Me, Watch You, that reads, Welcome Back. And the camera zooms into the computer screen, which where you see Peyton and Lucas hugging. And Lucas's voiceover says that someone is out there and that someone will find you. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, now listeners, viewers, if you uh, don't remember, this uh, Watch Me, Watch You character was seen in season two. And if you remember correctly, like Peyton originally thinks it was Allie who was sending her these messages. And then... She uh, asks Ellie about it. Ellie says, I never sent you anything. And then that's when she reveals, like, oh, I'm your mother, Peyton. And that completely distracts the idea that we never find out who wrote Watch Me, Watch You. So now this is coming back a season later. That happened in the season two finale, right? So it's interesting how they they just let that detail go and planted it there. And now we're mm-hmm. back to it. It's kind of clever. It's really smart. So I don't know what this is all about, but I really like Lucas's like ending voiceover though, because <laughs> it just shows like I feel like we talked about this in a mailbag about like why One Tree Hill still resonates twenty years later, and I feel like uh, the fact that like you can still like see yourself in these characters in some aspects is really great, um, and I feel like that's what this whole quote is trying to talk about a little bit maybe what's going on with lucas lucas talking earlier like if you're married a senior in high school <laughs> maybe this is just him getting better at writing <laughs> so by the end of the episode like he has like you know gotten better and we're like oh, okay yeah this is relatable now <laughs> let's hope so <laughs> and yeah he he's writing uh, something because we see that computer screen yeah. so mm-hmm. that should be interesting See where that leads. Very, very interesting. All right, our top favorite things. What was your favorite quotes? I personally really loved what Mouth said to Rachel. As you can tell, I read the quote earlier, so you probably guessed it was my oh, favorite yeah. quote. <laughs> you don't have to read I'm it again. I'm not going to read it again, um. no. But that, that was my favorite. I thought that was really meaningful, and it was like an important moment between those two characters. Oh, yeah. Um, My favorite is when Brooke broke up with Lucas, which is something that I read earlier as well. Nice. I had kind of had a feeling that would be your favorite. Yeah. Just because I really love seeing her, like, you know, be powerful and recognizing her worth. I love it. And this is one of the reasons why Brooke Davis is one of the greatest characters of all time. Yes. (laughs) Brooke is amazing. So, speaking of that breakup, I really loved the song Within You by Ray Lamontag. I just thought that was a great moment. It just, it fit, the song fit the moment and the sadness that, like, just the sadness of the scene. I thought it was. It's very haunting. I thought it was perfect. I was, after I watched the episode (laughs) yesterday, I was just like humming that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> for like an hour or two after on and off i mean it is like catchy it's like i don't know it's very soothing it here <laughs> what about you oh boy. um mine is the coda the message by Coldplay. Nice. yeah that's a good one too mm-hmm. you go first with your <laughs> reading for this episode <laughs> so i give this episode 
three out of five hidden letters. Mm, okay. I, it's not my favorite premiere, really. <laughs> it's, it's slight. I mean, not a lot happens if you really think about it's it. It's kind <laughs> of boring, to be honest, especially coming from the excitement of that last episode. And I understand, like, they have to resolve a lot in this episode in this premiere, but to me, it was kind of a boring episode. Um, there were some good scenes for sure. And we talked about those, but yeah. And then like the whole, the narration was weird, but that's not really what would make me bring an episode rating down, but it, it was definitely strange. I just, I kind of go off on like, I don't know in terms thinking of like the season, it's hard to not to compare, but thinking of the season three premiere, it's just so good. I agree. Yeah. Like there's like there's a little bit there's very subtle recaps in the season 3 premiere. Yeah. Like, you know, like obviously like I I think the uh the episode begins with like uh Dan supposedly dying the at the dealership, yeah. right? And then the fire comes out. Yeah. So like that's enough to show you like oh, he's in danger. <laughs> you know. And, th- and then this one just has like you know, they do, like, recap moments, but they throw in lines. Like, hey, remember when my birth mother came? <laughs> yeah, it's it's dumb. Like, yeah, some of the writing was just dumb. But I don't know. What do you give it? Uh, I, I, think I, I think I would agree with you, actually. Um, there are great moments for this episode. It's not horrible. There are some, like, very watchable moments, but... I can't help but think a lot of this episode is a mess. There's a lot of inconsistencies. I feel like these are, there are some moments where these aren't the characters that, like, we've grown to love. Both, like, throughout the series and from just the previous episode. And that's, like, a real quick bait and switch. Yeah, for sure. So I'm going to give this this episode a three out of five Bleach Blondes twinks. (laughs) Referring to Chad (laughs) and his look. Uh, There is is one moment later on in this season where I will delve into why I feel like this show was a root for me and my sexuality. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) We will talk about that as we get on. Sounds interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. Well, we did it. <laughs> Season four premiere. We did. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. Yes. We promise there are going to be things that we like about this season. Oh, for sure. There's definitely some good stuff. <laughs> it's just like the start of it, eh, not the strongest. Yeah, there's at least there's at least one five out of five episode for me. I can tell you that much. There may be a few more. I'll have to say as I watch but i feel like there's at least one guaranteed five out of five. Oh, there's at least i would say i can think of three i can think of three too actually but there's but you know my feelings may change if i analyze them critically but i feel like there will be at least one okay jeremy's <laughs> always a little bit harsher <laughs> <laughs> i know it's who i am <laughs> and we love it <laughs> as you should Thank you for listening to this episode of Always and Forever. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook at alwaysothpod. You can also email us at alwaysothpod at gmail.com. That's always O-T-H-P-O-D. Always and Forever is also on Patreon. You can support us over on patreon.com slash alwaysothpod to gain access to early episode releases our Discord server, where you can chat with us and other listeners, and bonus episodes, including our Drama Queens Reaction Podcast, Royal Review, and our movie podcast, Baker Soundstage. Just last month, we released an episode on Freaky Friday to celebrate its 20th anniversary, and that was a lot of fun. Yes, it was. (laughs) And we also have another uh, Patreon-exclusive project moving forward. We are just starting out our spoiler central mini podcast. So we were we will no longer have the spoiler segment at the end of our regular episodes, but instead we're going to do them in like short mini episodes where we focus on various topics. We might come up with like lists of our favorites or least favorites. 
it's kind of probably going to go kind of wild, don't you think, Jeremy? <laughs> Yeah, I I think so. So uh, most recently, uh, just last week, actually, we released an episode where we gave an overview of season four. We talked about like everything, like looking forward. And that episode turned out to be pretty long, too. <laughs> like I wasn't expecting it to be that long, but it's pretty, it's pretty good. It got me like really excited to record this episode right here. And another one that Caitlin and I are thinking about doing in October is a favorite horror movie episodes of One Tree Hill. Yes, I'm excited. I'm having these episodes flash through my brain right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot of like great ideas that we have. There's going to be like, it'll be more fun rather than like the, because I feel like with our spoiler segments, I feel like we kept like regurgitating a lot of the same content and it was like, it was boring us. And I feel like it could bore some of our listeners as well. So I feel like this will be like a little more of a fresher take. It'll be a little bit more excited for people to listen to us. So I'm excited. This will give us more of an excuse to just be a little bit more creative, you can say. And these episodes will be for our patrons at the $2 level and above. So once again, sign up over at patreon.com slash alwaysothpod. And you can enjoy these episodes. But if you can't support us on Patreon, you can also leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. That's the easiest way to support us and to help One Tree Hill fans, new and old, find us. And if you leave us a review, we may read it on the show. And please, only leave five-star reviews. Yes. If you want to leave us a one-star review, please email us first. Yeah, that would be nice. You know, maybe we could correct it, but we only want five-star reviews. (laughs) It helps the Al Gore with them. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I am Jeremy Rodriguez, and you can follow me on Twitter at Rodriguez Jeremy. And I'm Caitlin Illinich, and you can follow me on Twitter at Miss I Reads. We'll be, be seeing ya. Yeah, I think it was good, actually, for the premiere, the first oh. episode. Yeah, it's been a few months, so.